the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, whether you observe Easter or Passover or Ramadan, the spring holidays are a time of deep meaning, and spiritual significance. Each holiday offers a unique opportunity to connect with one's faith, honor one's ancient traditions, and come together with loved ones in celebration. And isn't spring a wonderful time of the year? The daffodils are in bloom. The magnolia tree, we have one lonely magnolia tree. It started to bloom. The Farsticia bushes are showing off their golden leaves, and you can see even more buds on the trees. I wonder how long it'll be before the crabapple trees really begin to blossom. And the birds, they're everywhere with their bright colors and songs, but I have to be careful if I walk around the backyard because the Canadian geese have uh, basically taken over a nest here, a nest there. Uh, but I do enjoy seeing their little goslings. I haven't seen them yet, but uh, you you watch them and they and they, they run to the pond every time a human being or danger might be near. And well, how a group of babies can stay in a straight line like that is awesome to behold. And while I recall that April showers bring May flowers, I hope the rains and winds we've had lately will just slow down considerably so we can get outside and enjoy this, uh, everything outside. This week, the Federal Reserve re- received some maybe good news, maybe bad news, in its fight to slow the economy to reduce inflation. Now, banks are becoming more cautious about extending loans and credit after their near-death experience with Silicon Valley and Signature and First Republic banks. 
And the Federal Reserve announced that the the U.S. bank lending contracted by the most uh, amount on record in the last two weeks in March, indicating a tightening of credit conditions in the wake of those uh, bank collapses. Commercial bank lending dropped nearly $105 billion in the two weeks ending on March 29th. That's the most in Federal Reserve data going back to uh, 1973. The more than $45 billion decrease in the latest week was primarily due to drop in loans by small bank. The pullback in total lending in the last half of March was basically broad and uh, included fewer real estate loans as well as commercial and industrial loans. So the contraction of the credit uh, had been mentioned in the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting as being helpful in reducing inflation by basically slowing down the economy. Uh, Some have estimated that it's equivalent to about a half a percent increase in the Fed funds rate. So on Thursday, the American Bankers Association uh, index of credit conditions fell to its lowest level since the onset of the pandemic, indicating uh, bank economists the credit conditions weakening over the basically in the next six months. As a result, banks are likely to become more cautious about extending uh, credit. And the banking crisis has made a recession more likely, according to J.P. Morgan Chase's uh, uh, CEO, Jamie Dimon. Uh, The bank's chief executive officer said in an annual letter that the failures have uh, provoked lots of jitters, quote, unquote, in the market and will clearly cause some tightening of financial conditions as banks and other lenders become more conservative. And in addition, there was good news from the uh, monthly jobs report from the Department of Labor. Uh, Yesterday, the Department of Labor uh, uh, reported that non-farm payroll in, it, payrolls increased 236,000 in uh, uh, March, and that's in line with forecasts after, after an upwardly uh, revised 326,000 advance in February. So 236,000 in March and 326,000 in February. The unemployment rate uh, fell to 3.5%, and the average hourly earnings climbed uh, 4.2% from a year ago. Uh, that was below estimates, and it's been the, it was the slowest since uh, June of 2021. In addition, the average hourly earnings on a monthly basis rose at a comfortable pace of three-tenths of 1%. Uh, Federal officials have paid particular attention to compensation metrics because the strong pay gains have given Americans the ability to keep spending, and that's exerting upward pressure on the prices. In other words, uh, the Federal Reserve made some comments uh, a while ago, several months ago, that uh, with uh, raises going on at something like... uh, five or six percent a year, it was going to be very, very difficult to uh, get inflation down to two percent. So uh, this three-tenths of a percent increase in in uh, March, uh, I'm sure that uh, got their attention. And that's, that's three, let's say 12 times three-tenths, that's basically 3.6 percent. If they can get it lower, uh, they'll be closer to the goal of, uh, well, they say two percent, but it Everybody's actually saying it's probably more like 3% is their goal, the Federal Reserve goal in terms of inflation. Right now, inflation is uh, 6%. Uh, we will get another inflation number uh, next week from the uh, Consumer's Price Index, and uh, that will be from the Department of Labor. And uh, so they're looking at it, and uh, uh, they're looking at the jobs report. And uh, the figures suggest that supply and demand of workers are coming more into balance, uh, which, if if sustained, would help moderate uh, wage gains uh, further. Many 
companies, particularly small businesses and those in the service sector, are still struggling to attract and uh, retain workers due to persistent labor shortages. Uh, the labor force participation rate, which is the share of the population that's working or looking for work, um, moved up a little bit. It, that that number moves on a glacier basis. Uh, the, uh, the labor force participa- participation rate moved up to 62.6%, and that's the highest it's been in three years. And basically reflects the uh, reflecting uh, improvements for men and women, and uh, those over age fifty five or, or older. So, and I've seen you know several companies are realizing that uh, uh, if they can get people back to work, people they might have retired early because of the COVID, because of the fear of catching COVID, things of this nature. And uh, they're a little reluctant to go back to work. Maybe uh, the companies are really looking for those people because uh, uh, basically they do have the experience and they do have the uh, they do know how to work for a living. So uh, we we'll, we'll look at the details of that uh, uh, report uh, later in the later in the show. Um, the uh, but the labor market. Um, there's indication that the labor market might not be as strong as it appears because uh, we note that uh, hiring is, you know, this last hiring thing, a report for March, indicates that hiring is concentrated in a handful of sectors like leisure and hospitality as well as healthcare. So leisure and hospitality accounted for about 72,000 jobs of the uh, total and also the healthcare uh, kicked in another sixty-five thousand, which leaves uh, about fifty-two thousand jobs uh, uh, extra in the private sector. So uh, that's that's not uh, two hundred thirty-six. Looks like two hundred thirty-six thousand. Looks like a, a big number, but uh, if I take out those two sectors, I'm getting. 55,000 uh, 55, jobs in the private sector for the rest of the economy, which uh, is not a great number. Uh, that said, others are sitting are hitting the brakes on hiring in response to weaker demand, and the report shows that employers uh, uh, shed jobs in the retail trade and uh, also the temporary help services. So those are the you know you're in temporary health. You you're brought on to, to fill a, a need, and uh, when that need disappears, you do too. So the report uh, uh, additionally the number of permanent job losers uh, jumped by the most since uh, 2020. So in addition uh, to the labor report, uh, there's also uh, this talks about the slowdown in the manufacturing sectors of the economy. And uh, we'll see that manufacturing is slowing down. And that's uh, we can see that from the U.S. Department of Commerce report on factory orders for February. And that shows the slowdown in uh, the, the, uh, uh, where it's at, what, it, what sectors it's in. Also, the Institute of Supply Management uh, puts out a manufacturing uh, uh, survey as well as the uh, S&P Global Manufacturing Index. Uh, both of those, the ISM and the Standard & Poor Global Indices are independent from each other. And uh, both of them are qualitative in the sense that what they do is certify managers or executives in the uh, manufacturing sectors and they uh, asked them how they're doing relative to last month in terms of uh, uh, orders, uh, production, uh, shipping, uh, uh, prices paid, prices received, uh, employment, things of this nature. So uh, how are you doing this week, this month versus last month for all those different parameters that are important in terms of how 
the economy is doing. So uh, both of those attack that and using different methodologies and uh, uh, to reach their conclusions rather than grind through the numbers like the uh, uh, the uh, Department of Commerce does. So the, the government reports, uh, they put out the uh, the uh, reports in great detail, right down to the third decimal place. But uh, the uh, survey report is more of a qualitative, uh, and it's uh, because it can be done quickly. It's generally more uh, timely. For instance, like the the two qual uh, the two reports, one from the ISM, the Institute of Supply Management, and the other from the S and P Global. Uh, both of those are for March, and it'll tell us what's happening in the manufacturing in the March time frame, whereas the the, the uh, quantitative report from the government, that's, that's for what's happening, what happened in uh, in February. So the one is uh, generally later, more detailed, and the other one is more current and timely. So... Uh, both indicate that, uh, well, everything indicates. The factory orders indicate uh, uh, the orders are going down, the shipments are going down in manufacturing, the surveys of the manufacturing executive, be it either by Standard and Poor, uh, S&P Global, or by the Institute of Supply Management. It all indicates that uh, manufacturing has uh, basically been in contraction for uh, maybe the last four months or something like that. So basically uh, what you're seeing is that uh, the economy, the increase in the interest rates has slowed down certain sections of the economy. Manufacturing is one of them. Uh, Home construction is another. Uh, The uh, home sales is another one. Uh, anything that depends upon uh, interest rates uh, has been basically slowed down. Uh, there are other sections of the economy that, uh, uh, like uh, travel and uh, accommodations, hotels, and things of this nature, and uh, restaurants and sporting events, uh, those things that people missed during the COVID, uh, those things are going great guns right now. Uh, so you got the sections of the economy that are um, contracting, other sections of the economy that are uh, doing well. So, and as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned, that that's a dilemma uh, for the Federal Reserve in terms of how do I slow this whole thing down to get the inflation uh, down to where I want it to be. So. Uh, that's basically the issue and the problem and that the Federal Reserve is, is trying to do. And, and no one's quite sure uh, how they're going to accomplish that. They're, they're sure in the sense that uh, what they've done so far is increase the uh, interest rates. Uh, right now, they're in the mode of uh, about every... Uh, Federal Reserve meeting, which basically is about every six weeks, uh, they increased the rates by a quarter of a percent. They increased it a quarter of a percent in uh, uh, February 1st, and then on uh, March 22nd, I think it was, or something, they increased it another quarter of a percent. And the question is, they've got a... um, Oh, they've got a uh, federal funds uh, open market committee meeting coming up on what on May second or third or something like that. It's generally it, it's the Tuesday and Wednesday in that time frame, and uh, the expectations are that they'll increase it another quarter, and then maybe pause uh, and let let it sit there. They're not going to start decreasing the rates. Of course, unless they run into a recession between now and then, uh, but uh, they'll probably they may pause. There's other uh, other uh, people that say no. They'll probably uh, keep on increasing it a few more. So it's kind of like um, 
the, the game plan is to kind of move forward and uh, keep increasing at a quarter of a percent uh, until until uh, something <laughs> until something breaks, <laughs> like like the like the banking, uh, you know, like the uh, Silicon Valley and stuff like that. So. Uh, We'll know in the early part of May uh, uh, what they will do and also uh, how far they'll give us some indication of how far in the future they're going to keep increasing the rates. Uh, we're going to, we'll basically keep track of that. And uh, uh, right now they've got the you know, federal funds rate up to 5%. And uh, uh, people are very concerned about uh, when you get up into that uh, level as to whether you're going to cause a recession. So uh, the recession is on everybody's mind. Nobody knows if it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. The idea being that there's such a, a long delay between what the Federal Reserve does and uh, when the economy reacts to it. Uh, the Federal Reserve may have crossed the crossed the line already and laid the foundation for the recession, and it's just a matter of time whether it appears. And uh, so, uh, you know, they're playing a very, very delicate uh, game there in terms of uh, uh, moving forward. Uh, this week, global equities were mixed in the U.S., uh, one of the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, was up for the week, while the other two, the Standard & Poor 500 and the NASDAQ Composite, were down. And in the UK, the FTSE uh, was up, uh, while in the European Union, uh, the German Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both up for the week. So Europe was up, the United States was mostly down. Uh, equities were also mixed in Asia. Uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down for the week, while in China, both the uh, Shanghai Composite as well as Hong Kong's Hang Seng uh, were up for the week. So on Thursday, uh, the three major stock indices closed the week at uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average at 33,000. 485.29, so it was up uh, 0.63% for the week. And the Standard & Poor 500 closed the week at 4,105.02, and it was down uh, one-tenth of a percent for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed at 12,000. Uh, eighty-seven point nine six. So it was down one point one percent, basically for the week. I mentioned the the uh, these those numbers are for Thursday because the stock market was closed uh, Friday for um, uh, Good Friday. So uh, let's talk about you know we're talking about the uh, uh, the big picture. The, uh, the call it the macroeconomics, where the Federal Reserve is fighting the uh, uh, the good fight against inflation and and uh, uh, tussling around with uh, the uh, federal funds rate, and and we're all sitting there watching and seeing if there's going to be if a recession is going to come out of this, or whether they're going to be able to get their inflation down to. Uh, their goal of two tenths of a percent. So we're all watching that. But it, to me, uh, a lot of the things we don't know exactly what the Federal Reserve is going to do, and we don't know exactly if there's going to be a recession or not. Uh, everybody's preparing for one in terms of uh, they all have plans for if a recession occurs and who's going to get laid off. And, and how are they going to conduct business? But uh, to me, that's the big picture. The little picture, which is the most important picture, uh, the micro economic picture is what happens to our financial plan 
And that boils down to, have we put together a plan that says uh, uh, we've identified our goals, uh, be it retirement, be it uh, uh, education for the youngsters, be it weddings, be it uh, 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 houses, uh, either the first house or our vacation home. Have we put together uh, plans uh, depending upon our stages in life? And uh, uh, what do these plans look like? We know we, we can put together uh, our goals and we know approximately uh, when we're going to need the uh, money to achieve those goals. And what we have to do is uh, how much uh, resources do we have? And that's typically if you're um, working for a company, that means your paychecks. If you've got your own business, that means uh, what's coming in the door in terms of profits. Hopefully, if there's <laughs> and they go up and down pretty severely too. So it's all the the getting from the uh, inputs in terms of uh, uh, salaries and. Uh, Profits of the businesses getting them down in terms of funneling that money into different uh, pots or investments and uh, letting the compound interest uh, grow those uh, monies to be able to meet those goals in the future. So uh, basically, that is what uh, financial planning is all about to be able to put together a plan. how much can you? How much do you need for retirement? Uh, how much can you afford? What are you going to have in terms of uh, uh, assets uh, that you can draw on during retirement? What do you have in terms of uh, either pensions or four hundred one k's or uh, social security that you can draw on and. Uh, uh, how do we get from one spot to the other spot in terms of keeping track of things, in terms of saying, okay, uh, uh, what do I have to do? Can I afford uh, a vacation house? Uh, what is it going to take to uh, educate the youngsters? Uh, what's it going to take to keep up the standard of living in terms of the houses and, and the house and the uh the uh, the nice things for the family, things of this nature, all that is part of the financial plan. And you have to, if you have to scribble it on a piece of paper, or you can have a detailed uh, idea of it, but you still have to come to grips with it in order to be able to know that you're going to meet those fun, meet those goals in the future. So uh, that's basically what we do. And uh, basically, we've done it thousands of times. So uh, we've developed a few, developed some skills in doing that. So uh, one of the things that uh, if you haven't done your financial plan lately, uh, by all means, do it. It's your roadmap for the future. And you can utilize that to make all sorts of financial decisions if you want something that you haven't included in your plan, then what are you going to give up that's in your plan right now to achieve that new goal? So uh, this is uh, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. You can give us a call. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets, 
success with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise. seeker in the 
the gap between openings and the unemployed uh, was named as a critical factor by Chairman, uh, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, and uh, that has been reduced by uh, 20%. So while vacancies still look historically elevated, it begins to appear as though the trend is finally shifting. Further, there's more evidence to support the notion that the pressure on employers and hence also the upward pressure on wages is slowing down. The Atlanta Fed, uh, they maintain a, a wage tracker, which is based upon consensus data, and that breaks down the uh, increases in wages by, uh, by, by different factors. Usually those who switch jobs will obtain higher wage raises than those who stay in voluntary moves. Uh, after all, a higher wage is often the, the main motivation for taking on a new job. It's only in recessions when job switchers are often laid off or, or uh, given a, a buyout that there's a premium for stay. The latest Atlanta Fed numbers covering the month of February showed that the premium for job switching was falling uh, very significantly after hitting an all-time high last year. This suggests, uh, uh, like the jolts number, that the bargaining position of workers is is weakening. And that's uh, bad news if you're hoping for a higher salary, but good news if you're the Fed in its fight against uh, uh, inflation. So what you're, the February numbers, uh, comparing February numbers in uh, 2023 to 2022, uh, we see that uh, the job openings uh, have come down from 11.6 million to 9.9 million for, for a decrease of 14.4%. The number of hires has come down from 6.8 million to 6.1 million uh, for a, a decrease in hires of 9.4% over that 12-month period. And the separations have gone from uh, 6.1% uh, uh, have uh, gone from 5.8% to 6.1% in 2022. So that's a reduction of 4.1%. The number of quits, uh, number of quits decreased from uh, 4.3 million in uh, February of uh, 2022 to uh, uh, 4.0 million in February of 2023. So it is a reduction of 6.7%. So, in fact, while the separation numbers include layoffs, terminations, and stuff like that, you can see uh, consistently the number of quits is about 70% of the number of uh, separations. So uh, people are really, not that many people are being laid off. It's a matter of... uh, most cases, people are basically quitting. Uh, the, uh, we'll probably see uh, less openings as the Federal Reserve uh, uh, tends to slow down the economy by increasing the interest rates. And uh, we'll also see uh, the effect of the banks constricting the uh, credit We'll also see the effects of quantitative tightening, where uh, the Federal Reserve is selling approximately $95 billion each month in terms of uh, treasury uh, bonds, as well as mortgage-backed security bonds from Fannie and Freddie. So uh, the employers basically have added... uh, uh, I don't know how much they've added. We'll get to that in, in a little bit when we go through uh, the hiring. And uh, uh, what we're going to do is see that hiring go down each month. And, uh, and yesterday, the Department of Labor released their employment situation 
report for March, and uh, the report showed that the U.S. U.S. employment increased in March, uh, with non-farm payroll uh, up 236,000, and the private payroll uh, up 189,000. Uh, the report indicated that the uh, unemployment rate decreased to 3.5% from 3.6% in February. And those numbers are, those unemployment numbers are, are very, very low uh, over, you know, because of the uh, tightness of the labor market. Uh, the usual place that they would be would be something around uh, 4.5%. But right now, uh, these numbers, 35 or 3.6%, are basically 50-year numbers. Uh, the labor force participation rate increased to uh, 6 point, or 62.6 from uh, 62.5 that it was in February, and the payroll increase of uh, 236,000 is approximately equal to the uh, uh, expected payroll growth. The expected number was 240,000. The real number came in at 236. The expected growth in hiring underscored the strength of the economy and the labor market. And uh, that's in kind of contrast. You've been hearing a lot of stories about layoffs and uh, slower growth and things of this nature. But uh, in addition, the total non-farm payroll employment for uh, January was uh, revised to 472000 it came down from 504,000 uh, jobs in uh, January. And the uh, the total non-farm uh, payroll for February uh, uh, came down a little bit. So then they revised the, the numbers for January and February. And uh, uh, what we're seeing is that the gains in payroll are basically broad-based uh, but they're led by leisure and hospitality and also business services and the government and healthcare. So a number of co- companies did announce plans to cut their staffing levels. Uh, but so far, the layoffs have been largely concentrated in technology and interest rate uh, sensitive sector- sectors like uh, housing. So uh, the uh, if you take a look at pre-COVID versus uh, the March 2023 numbers, uh, pre-COVID, the unemployment rate was 3.5%, and uh, the latest results show 3.5%. The unemployed the number of unemployed uh, was 5.7 million, and uh, our latest numbers show that it's 5.8 million. So the uh, the uh, employers' uh, applications for uh, unemployment jobless claims came in at uh, 228,000 uh, for a week, and uh, there's still uh, on the state unemployment rules. Uh, there's there's 1.823 million. Uh, continuing on the unemployment rolls, and that suggests still suggests that the labor market is tight. And the average hourly pay of private sector workers climbed 4.2% over uh, a year ago, and the labor after uh, uh, wage increases and uh, came to uh, up nine uh, nine cents per hour to $33.18 per hour for an average monthly pay increase of three-tenths of uh, 1%. So, uh, as I said before, leisure and hospitality added 72,000 workers in uh, March. And uh, uh, the leisure and hospitality is still below their pre-pandemic uh, February 2020 level by something like over close to 400,000 workers. Uh, 
the government employment uh, increased by 47,000 in March, but that was mainly in uh, education, half, at least half of that, maybe three quarters of that was in education uh, in terms of uh, teachers and things of this nature, administrators. And if you took a look at uh, uh, health care, health care uh, and social assistance, health care added 34,000 jobs, and uh, that's uh, less than, than the usual monthly gain of 54,000. So in uh, social assistance, uh, they added uh, uh, 17,000 jobs. So transportation and warehousing, uh, they added 10,000 jobs. And uh, air transportation added uh, 6,000 jobs. Uh, warehousing and storage lost jobs. They lost 12,000 jobs. Retail trade, uh, they lost 15,000 jobs. And uh, so basically what you're seeing is that uh, the uh, goods-producing uh, sector of the economy, like uh, mining, construction, manufacturing, manufacturing jobs, and uh, manufacturing lost 1,000 jobs in March, construction lost 9,000 jobs in uh, March, and mining and uh, logging uh, increased 3,000 jobs in March. Most of the 3,000 were in basically uh, 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 oil uh, exploration. And that's been basically because the uh, OPEC Plus uh, organization has uh, uh, announced a cut of uh, approximately 3% in oil production. In other words, the they announced the cut to go from 100 million barrels of oil a day to, uh, that's the number of barrels of oil that are produced worldwide in each day, 100 million barrels. Uh, they're going to bring it down to 97 million barrels of oil a day. So what they're trying to do in the case of the oil is bring it up to, uh, right now it's about 80, somewhere around 80, $85 a barrel, uh, bring it up to $100 a barrel. So uh, what you're seeing there is that uh, uh, the fracking group the people that are involved in fracking uh, for oil, they're gearing up because they're seeing that uh, $100 a barrel oil coming down the line. So uh, the other thing we saw was basically uh, uh, factory orders uh, for manufacturing. Factory orders for manufacturing, uh, I mentioned it previously about manufacturing is contracting. Uh, so, uh, uh, the, uh, orders for manufacturing, uh, decreased $3.9 billion or seven tenths of 1% to 536.4 billion. And that follows a two tenth or follows a 2% uh, decrease in January. And, and what you're also seeing is shipment for manufacturing goods. That uh, was down five tenths of a percent, in uh, in uh, February, after a reduction of six tenths of a percent in December. So this reduction in manufacturing goods has been going on for the last uh, four months, and basically what you're seeing is that uh, the New durable goods orders. Uh, the durable goods orders are down one percent, and uh, shipments are down uh, uh, six tenths of one percent. The non-durable manufactured goods uh, orders decreased one point, uh, decreased four tenths of a percent, and uh, the uh, or one point two billion, and most of that was in. Uh, the non-durable, most of the difference was in reduction in petroleum and coal products. Uh, so 
the business surveys such as the ISM report has been signaling uh, manufacturing contraction for months now, and now it's been confirmed by the factory data. And uh, these results add to a sudden rise in negative U.S. data that's coming up far short of expectations. So, uh, to me, it's uh, uh, the manufacturing sector is uh, basically slowing down, and uh, uh, the service sector, particularly the sector involved with uh, travel and accommodations and entertainment and things of this nature are picking up. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call of our toll-free number. Uh, it's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. And what we're seeing now in the Institute of Supply Management, uh, their survey for March indicates that uh, U.S. manufacturing activities slowed farther, further in March as customer demand remains sluggish with falling production and weak new orders. The ISM survey also indicated uh, equal levels of activity uh, towards expanding and contracting headcounts, and uh, companies appear to be much more willing to reduce their headcount than they were before. For a while there, uh, companies were keeping people on board uh, because they had such a difficult time of getting people on board because of the scarcity. But now they're they're uh, realizing that uh, the new orders and things, things of that nature, might not be right around the corner. So at that point, they're they're uh, letting people go, and uh, so that's also true for the uh, the uh, S and P Global U.S. manufacturing. They're indicating that the U.S. manufacturing sector continues to signal concerning trends during March, although output rose for the first time during March, growth was small and largely supported by ramping production, but followed by unprecedented reduction in supply chain pressure. So basically, uh, they, they're not falling like a rock, but the manufacturing is falling. So this is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back. Tomorrow we celebrate Easter, and Easter is the holiest day in the Christian calendar. It observes the most central tenet of the Christian faith, that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. The resurrection represents the triumph of good over evil. Jewish families celebrate their Passover, which is the, the, the commemoration and they'll be celebrating that on Holy, Holy Thursday. But Easter, like Christmas, has accumulated a great many traditions, some of which has little to do with the Christian celebration of the resurrection, but are derived from uh, folk customs. The custom of the Easter lamb, uh, that came from uh, Jesus in scripture, quote, behold the lamb of God, which takes away this that takes away the sins of the world and the lamb's role as a sacrificial animal in ancient Israel. In antiquity, Christians placed the uh, uh, lamb meat on the altar and had it blessed, and then they consumed it on Easter. And since the 12th century, uh, the Lenten fast has ended on Easter with meals including eggs and cheeses and bread, and, uh, and that was in materials that were blessed for the occasion. The use of painted and decorated Easter eggs 
was first recorded in the uh, 12th century. And at that time, the church prohibited the eating of eggs during Holy Week. And But chickens, they didn't know it. They continued to lay eggs during that week. And the notion of specifically identifying them as Holy Week eggs brought about their decoration. The eggs itself became a symbol of the resurrection, just as Jesus rose from the tomb. Uh, the egg symbolized new life emerging from the egg. And in the Orthodox tradition, the eggs are painted red to symbolize the blood Jesus uh, shed on the cross. So uh, what we're seeing is that the, there was egg rolling, uh, egg rolling on the, uh, uh, the White House lawn. And the first lady that got involved was the first lady Lucy Hayes, wife of President Rutherford Hayes, is often credited with sponsoring the first annual uh, Easter egg roll. And that was an event where, you know, the kids and their parents are invited to roll their eggs on the Monday following Easter on the White House lawn. And that started in, uh, when did that start? That started in uh, basically 1878. Uh, that year, the event was moved to the White House from the grounds of the uh, U.S. Capitol building. And members of Congress feared that the uh, foot traffic was uh, damaging the ground. So the Congress said, well, we're going to have to move this somewhere else. And uh, by 1876, Congress and President Ulysses S. Grant they passed a law that forbade the, the practice of egg rolling on Capitol Hill. And some historical records note that Hayes first opened the White House lawn to egg rolling festivals the following year in 1877. And then, uh, so tomorrow we'll be celebrating Easter in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ it is resurrection from the dead, so the resurrection represents the triumph of good over evil. And until we meet again, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.